0: Our prayer for illumination. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. By your spirit, make yourself known to us through the reading and preaching of your word. That we might be faithful witnesses in this life and joyful companions in the next. Even with Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. The scripture reading, Psalm 84, verses 1 to 6. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord of heavenly forces. My very being longs, even yearns, for the Lord's courtyard. my heart and my body will rejoice out loud to the living god yes the sparrow too has found a home there the swallow has found a has found herself a nest where she can lay by her young lay her young beside your altars lord of heavenly forces my king my god those who live in your house are truly happy They praise you constantly. Those who put their strength in you are truly happy. Pilgrimage is in their hearts. As they pass through the Baca Valley, they make it a spring of water. Yes, the early rain covers it with blessings. Holy wisdom, holy word, thanks be to God.
1: So today is the first Sunday where those of us who are on the chancel, there are two screens up here so we can, for the very first time, see what you all get to see down there. It's kind of cool. We're working on the screen expansion process and we're, we're just about there. Our gospel reading is from Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 9. Listen to the word of the Lord. Jesus told this parable to certain people who had convinced themselves that they were righteous and who looked on everyone else with disgust. Two people went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed by himself with these words, God, I thank you that I'm not like everyone else, crooks, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. (laughs) I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of everything I receive. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He wouldn't even lift his eyes to look toward heaven. Rather, he struck his chest and said, God, show mercy to me, a sinner. I tell you this person, went down to his home justified rather than the Pharisee. All who lift themselves up will be brought low, and those who make themselves low will be lifted up. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, you, O Christ. Christ. Let's pray. Infinite God, impatient with your otherness, we make you into an idol to serve our own needs Humble our arrogance by the strangeness of your coming and the wonder of your mercy. Through Jesus Christ, the friend of Pharisees and tax collectors. Amen. In 1920, humorist Robert Benchley wrote, there may be said to be two classes of people in the world. Those who constantly divide the world into two classes and those who don't. Both classes are extremely unpleasant to meet socially, leaving practically no one in the world with whom one cares very much to know. Uh, It's a joke, but Benchley is on to something here. Humans love dividing the world into two, the good guys and the bad guys the haves and the have-nots, the right and the left, the dark side of the force and the light side, capitalist and socialist, Buckeye fans, and the wicked. And it's not just humans in general who like doing this, right? Religious people, I think we're actually the best at it, right? Because we can then... We we make it religious. We say, you know, righteous and and, and wicked or Protestant and Catholic, Christian, non-Christian. We all know what it means to divide the world in two. Now, when you do that, however you do that, which side do you place yourself on? The good side, right? That's right. You're one of the good guys, and it's those other people who are the problem. We call this dualistic thinking. And, And this parable of Jesus seems to replace one dualism for another. And it causes me to wonder, are we condemned to dualistic thinking? Or is there another way, a third way, a better way than dividing the world in two? Well, if there is a better way, then we need to examine our assumptions as we come to this short, subversive, and perhaps familiar parable. Parable. Luke says that Jesus told this parable to certain people who had convinced themselves that they were righteous and looked on everyone else with disgust. And so you go, all right. All right, Jesus, who is it it that you have in mind here? Well, surely not I, Lord. I would never do such a thing. As a good Presbyterian, I know that I look to God for my righteousness and not to myself. I would never look on other people with disgust surely not I. Obviously, this parable is meant for someone else. Whew. Well, that is a relief. Now that we have that out of the way, we got to figure out who are these self-righteous, contemptuous people. They are the worst, aren't they? So glad I'm not like them. So the parable begins, two people went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Well, here we are yet again, two groups of people that Jesus likes to draw on, the Pharisees, the tax collectors. And for Christians, a Pharisee is a stereotype. For many of us, we hear that word and we immediately associate it with hypocrites. But that's our assumption. Before we even hear the story, we think we know what a Pharisee is, and that's a problem. That's a problem when it comes to understanding this parable. It is a problem in our day-to-day life. When we think that we know someone else before we meet them, before we talk to them, before we ever get to know them, then the divisions that are already in place will simply be further entrenched. But if God's going to speak a new word, a third way beyond our dualisms, then we must give up our assumptions that we already know people that we have not yet met. See, the truth is, for Jesus' audience, the Pharisees were the good guys. They were the ones who took the Scriptures seriously. They were the ones who actually cared about people. They were not sold out to the Roman occupiers like the Sadducees. Instead, the Pharisees were a movement of the people. They were seeking to bring just a little bit of the kingdom of God to earth right here and now. They were not hypocrites. They were just people. Good people. Trying their best in a tough, tough world. So Jesus says the Pharisee stands by himself and says, God, I thank you that I'm not like everyone else. Crooks, evildoers, adulterers, Or even like this tax collector, I fast twice a week and give a tenth of everything I receive. What do you make of this prayer? Well, if we come to this prayer assuming that the Pharisee is a self-righteous hypocrite, then we will conclude that this prayer is awful, and so is this person. But if we give him the benefit of the doubt, then we might find this prayer to be the words of someone who is going above and beyond what God's law requires, out of love for God and for neighbor. Does he do so in a somewhat humorous and over-the-top way? Yes, he does. And I think that's the point. Uh, Jesus is setting him up as the super saint, the one who's doing everything right and then some. And let me ask you this, like, are, you, are you glad that you... Or not a murderer. (laughs) Presumably. (laughs) I mean, I am. I'm glad that I have. I mean, I've done plenty of wrong things, so I'm glad I haven't done that. And and I think it's okay to recognize that, right? To be able to thank God for roads that maybe you've not taken. Uh, There's nothing wrong with that. So maybe this Pharisee's a bit over the top in his prayer, but if Jesus is simply setting him up as the super saint... There's nothing wrong with that, is there? When comes the tax collector. And just like we assume that the Pharisees are the bad guy, we come to these stories and think, well, the tax collectors, those are actually kind of, they're kind of the good guys, right? They're the, they're the misunderstood outcasts. But that's not what the first century tax collector was. Tax collectors were people who exploited their own by conspiring with an occupying power and becoming rich in the process. I was trying to think of an analogy for us, but like, maybe it'd be like a child of this congregation who grew up and became a a drug rep for one of the big opioid companies and and, and just got filthy rich off of making addicts all over this state. And then that person comes back and and comes here and prays on Sunday morning. How would you feel about sitting right next to that person. Would you feel good? Jesus said the tax collector stood at a distance. He wouldn't even look his eyes towards heaven. Rather, he struck his chest and said, God, show mercy to me, a sinner. And so the tax collector is sorry. That's all we know about him. He's sorry. And I think that's good as far as it goes. We don't hear anything about is he going to change his ways? Is he going to make amends? For all we know, he's going to go back and do the exact same thing Monday morning. And I don't know about you. That makes me mad. And Jesus makes it worse by saying, I tell you, this person went down to his home justified rather than the Pharisee. Well, what are we to make of this story? Is this simply a a simple reversal story where the bad guy is the good guy and the good guy is the bad guy. Is that all that's going on here? I don't think so. Because that would simply replace one dualism for another. We still end up with a worldview where humanity is divided in two and it's our job to end up on on the good side. Make sure you're humble. Greek's a tricky language. Prepositions mean many different things which makes it confusing for translators. And so when Jesus says, this person went down to his home justified rather than the Pharisee, that word rather, it's para in Greek. And if you look up the word para in a Greek dictionary, the first most frequent use of that word is alongside. Huh. Well, hear how different that might sound. This person went down to his home justified alongside the Pharisee. Well, here's a radical thought. What if both of these people are justified by God? The good and the bad, the saints and the sinner alike. Well, that would undo our dualisms once and for all. That would be a true reformation. Next week is Reformation Sunday. I'm not going to be here, so i got to talk about it now. <laughs> Reformation Sunday, where we celebrate that for 500 years, Christians have been proclaiming that God's grace is for everyone without distinction, that God's grace comes to us as a gift to both saint and sinner alike. Grace is not reward for good behavior, nor is it revoked for bad behavior. And though... It's been 500 years since this message has been proclaimed. I'm not sure that we've yet actually heard it. Because if we did, if we dared to believe that God could be this indiscriminately loving, then all of our measurements of goodness and bad guys, it all gets cast aside. All of our divisions of us and them would be gone, and all that would be left is just us. Martin Luther had a famous Latin phrase that he coined during the Reformation. He said that we are simul justus et peccator, simultaneously justified and sinner. To be justified by God is to be declared good enough, made right, part of the family of God. And the good news is that that is how God views you, holy and righteous and good. And at the same time, the very same time, you still mess things up, don't you? I sure do. Despite all my strivings and my prayers, despite all my generosity and my attempts to love everyone indiscriminately, I still look at certain people with contempt. Sorry, it's true. Despite all my strivings, I'm still a sinner and I don't have to pretend like I'm not. Both live inside me, the Pharisee and the tax collector, the saint and the sinner. And the goal is not to become one and condemn the other. Because when we do that, we end up condemning ourselves along the way. Because we are both at the same time, simultaneously, saint and sinner. Sinner. And God loves all saints and sinners and justifies them alongside each other, all welcomed at one big table, which is good news because that's who we are. All of us. All of
0: us. All of us. us. Amen.